0: This is Charlie Stumbaugh, the lead pastor of Cornerstone Church, Colorado. Thank you for being with us today. Be sure to subscribe for our weekly content to encourage your faith. Let's listen in as Pastor Matt brings the message. Today we're going to be looking at and evaluating our commitment to Jesus. Questions that come to my mind are like, am I Truly following Jesus, or, or have I allowed other commitments to be prioritized above my responsibilities as a Christian? In our world, it is normal to hear people say that we follow other people. This doesn't mean that we are stalking someone, at least I hope that's not the case. In our world of social media, music, and video apps, when we say we are following someone, it means we like their content, Right. We, we like their music, we, we like their style, we like their video, we like the encouragement that they give us or the information that they are passing on. Now, I personally like to to follow some um, different um, teams. You know, I I love sports and the teams I love, so I follow those. There's bands that I like that I'll follow, authors, um, people like that on social media. And I enjoy it. What it it does is it helps to bring what they are contributing to our world. It brings it just center stage uh, through the different social media apps that I uh, subscribe to. There's this one comedian. His name's Dusty Slay. Um, I like to follow him. I like some comedians. Um, what I like about this guy is, you know, he wears a trucker's style baseball cap, and um, he definitely looks country. His jokes are are pretty clean. They're you know not like a lot of other things. And And so all of those things, all those people that we like to follow, right, it just floods into our uh, social media pages. We get reminders on our phones. Well, as Christians, we have a similar understanding to the word follow, but the implications are much greater. In fact, I would say that they're life-altering. You see, it goes beyond just following a friend on Instagram. It invites us into a new way of living. You know, as we read scripture, as we engage in a relationship with God, as we engage in relationships with friends within our church, our campuses, we see the call to follow Jesus. Now, in Luke chapter 9, which is where we find ourselves on this episode, we see Jesus is interacting with three different guys regarding the idea of them following him. In these conversations, we see Jesus emphasizes the importance of commitment. Following him requires that we shift our focus our heart completely onto him. And by doing so, our view of our communities, our friends, our coworkers, even our our views on politics and politicians change. As we follow Jesus, our priority is no longer self-serving, but rather we begin to place other people before ourselves, their heart, their perspectives, their understanding begins to come before our own. It reprioritizes our commitments. And as we follow Jesus, a change takes place in our lives and how we see the world forever. Now, where we find ourselves today in Luke chapter 9, we get to see God's heart through Jesus when it comes to this idea of following him. We're going to be in starting in verse 57 of Luke chapter 9. and It says, they were all traveling along the road and someone said to Jesus, I will follow you anywhere you go. Verse 58 says, he answered, and he says, the foxes have holes to live in, the birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place where he can rest his head. Jesus said to another man, follow me. But the man said, Lord, let me go and bury my father first. Jesus said, let the people who are dead bury their own dead. You must go and tell about God's kingdom. Another man said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go say goodbye to my family. And Jesus said, anyone who begins to plow a field but looks back is not prepared for God's kingdom. It's interesting. We we look at this scripture. Jesus really kind of seems hard-nosed, you know, when it comes to people following him. I think our, our natural instincts, we, we read about, about this man who, who wants to bury his father or this guy that wants to say goodbye to his family. And Jesus is like, no, you need to come and follow me. You can't prioritize other things in life before me. Now, Luke uses his common rule of three in these verses here. He records three separate conversations focusing on the language that is used, right? We see that son of man is used in verse 58. We see that Jesus says, tell others about God's kingdom in verse 60. And then in, uh, um, what is it, verse 61, he says, you know, the preparation for service in God's kingdom, Jesus expresses in these three different instances that our commitment to him is simply not following him, but getting involved in the mission of God as well. Now, I find it interesting that one year earlier, If we look chronologically here in Scripture, one year earlier, Jesus had this conversation with a scribe who wanted to follow him across the lake. We find this in Matthew chapter 8, verses 19 19 through 22. Jesus' assertion on the importance of following and sharing God's truths doesn't seem to have wavered. From that time a year ago to where we find Jesus now, here in Luke chapter 9. It is important to note that Jesus' response to the second and third man does not imply that we should neglect our day-to-day responsibilities to people. God's heart is for people. If we look in um, the Gospel of John chapter 3, verse 16, it shows us God's heart for humanity that he was committed to the ultimate sacrifice to restore relationship with mankind. And our commitment to people is a big part of God's plan. It's a big part of following Jesus. As the disciples followed Jesus, both literally and spiritually, they engaged with people on a daily basis. Jesus has invited us to not only follow him, but to be involved in the mission of God, especially in times of loss and grief. We should be diligent in our heartfelt thoughtfulness of others. You see, following Jesus requires action on our part, both in direction and participation. Telling people about Jesus should take precedence. The significance behind each encounter in this passage is that sharing God's word, right? As we follow Jesus, sharing God's word must rank above all other responsibilities. And as we follow Jesus, we need to prioritize the mission of God as our mission, our purpose in life. This doesn't mean that we neglect family or friends. This doesn't mean we neglect our daily responsibilities, responsibilities at work, responsibilities um, that we've made with coworkers, with um, community organizations. We we should honor those things, right? That it's not what you know what Jesus is conveying here in Luke nine. It's it's not that we should neglect those things. I think Matthew chapter five verse thirty seven even reinforces this. Right, Because in Matthew 5 here, it tells us that we should stand by our commitments, that our yes should be yes, and our no mean no. We should not manipulate words to try and get our way. The commitments we make, we should keep. We should honor each other by the promises we make. This implies that our commitment to follow Jesus is important as well. The priorities of our day-to-day lives should never supersede our commitment to Jesus, living out our relationship within our communities and our circles of influences. You see, friends, the cost of discipleship, of following Jesus, should reprioritize our commitments and interactions in life. If we look back here in Luke 9 at verses 15, 59 and 60. It says, you know, Jesus said to another man, follow me. But the man said, Lord, let me go bury my father first. And Jesus tells him, he's like, let the dead bury their own. You must go and tell people about God's kingdom. I think it's important. I like to dig into things like this because I think that there's cultural implications and and, and we can see historical things that take place that we might not understand in our life today. Now, it's unclear in this passage if this man's father had died or was in the process of dying. It might've been that he wanted to go and take care of his father until after his death. If the man's father had died, there was in this culture a two-stage burial process that people went through first the man would take his father and bury his body in a cave it says this this man talking with Jesus had had probably already done this the second stage of burial would take place one year later when the man would go back and collect his father's remains from the cave and then bury them with his ancestors. So when Jesus said let the the people who are already dead bury their own dead, he's referring to the man's ancestors receiving the remains of his father. That while that is important, It doesn't give us permission to step away from our responsibility in following and sharing the love of Jesus. Friends, the relationship we have been invited into comes with responsibilities. It comes at a cost. When we commit our lives to Jesus and begin the journey in our relationship with God, it should revolutionize our life to the point where we want everyone to know the good news of Jesus and have an opportunity to meet him and start living life with him. God has, friends, God has forever changed my life to the point that I never want to go back to the way I used to live. And because I know and experience the goodness of God, I want everyone to experience that way of living. The challenge for us is knowing where we stand in our relationship with God. These men here in Luke 9 were probably really great guys. We see their commitment to Jesus. They want to follow him, but their priorities were out of sorts. They thought that following Jesus could be put on the back burner while they took care of other responsibilities in their life. Jesus said, There is no other responsibility more important than following me, than entering into a relationship with God. Now, for relationships to be healthy, there has to be trust, there has to be open communication, commitment teamwork and conflict resolution, without these pillars in a relationship, it will begin to diminish. And our relationship with God is no different. I really, I really don't think it's any different. We're not going to endorse or fight for a relationship that is in ruins. So just like in our personal relationship, there are indicators in our spiritual relationship with God that show signs of health or deterioration. So what metric do we use to measure our spiritual commitment? You know, in the United States, 65% of adults identify as being Christian. Yet, George Gallup with um, the Gallup organizations, they do the the Gallup polls. He would say from his research that less than 10% of Christians would claim to be deeply committed followers of Christ. If we turn to Luke chapter 10, we just go one chapter over here. We even see that Jesus says that there, there is such a big harvest of people to bring in, but there are only a few workers. In Paul's letter to Timothy, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, he says, Do everything you can to present yourself. To God as a man or woman who is fully genuine, a worker unashamed of your mission, a guide capable of leading others along the correct path defined by the word of truth. How do we measure our spiritual commitment? What metrics do we have? Well, first, I think to do that, we need to honestly examine our level of commitment on a scale. How would you rate yourself in your commitment level to Jesus? Would you friends, would you rate it as casual? Would it be moderate or would it be radical? Are you deeply involved in what God is doing in your life and in the lives of those around you? Or is your interaction with the creator more on a casual side. You know, in Psalm 37, um, verse five, it says, commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him and he will help you. As we count the cost of following Jesus, we need to understand where we stand in that relationship. The Gallup organization, they um, they looked into this idea of spiritual commitment and they came up with Nine benchmarks for evaluating our commitment level. There are four spiritually committed attitudes, and then there's five spiritually committed behaviors. And so this is what the Gallup poll came up with on the four spiritually committed attitudes. They they say that we can um, look at it this way. They're like, "Is my you know my faith is involved in every aspect of my life?" Because of my faith, I have meaning and purpose in my life. My faith gives me inner peace. And the fourth attitude is, I am a person who is spiritually committed. This would be someone who has committed their life to following Jesus. Now, the five spiritually committed behaviors are these. I spend time in worship or prayer every day. Because of my faith, I have forgiven people who have hurt me deeply. My faith has called me to develop my given strengths. These are God-given strengths. Number four is, I will take unpopular stands to defend my faith. And the fifth one is, I speak words of kindness to those in need of encouragement. These are nine Um, nine levels of commitment, friends, in our attitudes and in our behaviors that we can use to evaluate where we stand when it comes to our relationship with Jesus. Gallup's research affirms the attitudes and behaviors scripture encourages us to live within. As we commit to following Jesus, we first need to evaluate where we stand in our relationship with Him. Are there areas that I'm uncomfortable with, that Scripture asks me to to see people, engage with people? Are there things that, that I find uncomfortable about Scripture as a whole? Does my engagement in the mission of God ask of me more than what I'm willing to give? Is there room for growth in my walk with Jesus? We need to be able to look at whether it's these nine that I've, I've given you here from, um, from the Gallup organization, whether we use those um, to determine where my level of commitment is, or whether it's other things. Friends, we need to be honest. We need to examine our level of commitment. And when we do that, we need to be honest about what we find is there room for growth? And if so, am I willing to commit to that? Am I willing to take steps needed in following Jesus to be a better believer, a better follower of Christ? So the first thing is that we need to be honest, transparent where we are. The second is that we need to make sure that we have the right tools in our tool belt. Walking in faith as a follower, as we follow Jesus, requires tools gifted to us by the Father through the Holy Spirit. John chapter 3, verse 6 says, humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say, you must be born again. The Greek word that, um, that, that, John the Apostle uses here for you is it's plural in speaking. It's not speaking of one person. It's talking about humanity, all of us, that we need the Holy Spirit in our lives to make it through this life. Paul reinforces this truth in Galatians 5 verse 16 when he said, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. If you look in Romans chapter 8, verse 6, it says the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. Not only do we need the right tools, we need to know where to get them from. Life comes from the Father only as we follow jesus we need to be engaging in our he, with our heavenly father on a daily basis growing in wisdom and understanding the danish the danish uh philosopher soren kierkegaard said there are two ways to be fooled one is to believe what isn't true And the other is to refuse to believe what is true. Our tool belt needs to be outfitted with the right tools given to us by God. We cannot follow Jesus and be a part of God's great mission to reach humanity if we have the wrong tools in our belt. I don't go to Lowe's to buy milk, just like I don't go to City Market or Safeway to buy an impact wrench. The tools we need to follow Jesus, to tell others about Jesus, come from the Father. In Galatians 5, Paul explains to us both sides of the coin called life. He shows us the paradox between this sinful world and a life committed to Christ. In verse 19, he says, The wrong things the sinful self does are clear committing sexual sin, being morally bad, doing all kinds of shameful things, worshiping false gods, taking part in witchcraft, hating people, causing trouble, being jealous, angry, or selfish, causing people to argue and divide into separate groups, being filled with envy, getting drunk, having wild parties, and doing other things like this. Friend, scripture tells us to stay away from these kinds of activities. It will only hurt and ruin our relationship with Jesus. Rather, Paul continues in verse 22 of Galatians 5, and he says, But the fruit of the Spirit produces in a person, in a person's life, is love, joy, peace, patience. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the tools that we should have in our tool belt. Without them, it becomes impossible to follow Jesus. And so, friends, we need to look at our level of commitment. What metrics are you using to measure your level of commitment? Have you even stopped and evaluated your commitment to Jesus? Have you ever spent time doing that? Maybe you're listening uh, to this podcast right now, and you're like, you know what? I, I've i never committed my life to Jesus. Friends, if that's you, if you find yourself in that place, I want to invite you to say yes to what God has For you to begin to dig into scripture and and find out who Jesus is, to get involved in one of our campuses, whether it's Summit, Leadville, BV, or Salida, to be involved, be engaged, to say yes to Jesus. Friends, Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 and 14 says, Your new life, this is the life that we get, that we should live as a follower of Christ. It says, your new life should be like this. Show mercy to others. Be kind, humble, gentle, and patient. Don't be angry with each other, but forgive each other. If you feel someone has wronged you, forgive them. Forgive others because God has forgiven you. Together with these things, the most important part of your new life is to love each other. Love is what holds everything together in perfect unity. As we count the cost, friends, of following Jesus, as we commit to following Jesus, I pray that we continue to engage people with love the love of Jesus, that our commitment to God would only grow and be strengthened as we allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. Friends, thanks for listening today. Let's let's close out this episode with a prayer really quick. And I want to invite you, if you're listening again and you've not made a commitment to Jesus, I want to invite you to repeat this prayer Say yes to who Jesus is. And friends, let's be committed as we continue to follow Jesus. Let's be committed to each other. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you have pursued us and invited us into a beautiful relationship. I pray that as we continue to engage in this relationship and follow Jesus, God, that you would strengthen us, that you would give us these words, God, that the Holy Spirit would work in us, and through us, that we could be an example of Jesus to our community, to our world. Friends, if you have never accepted Jesus, I invite you to pray with me. That you would just simply say, Jesus, I believe in you. I want to make a change in my life today, and I want to follow you. Give me the strength I need to be committed at the level I need to be as I follow you, as I love you, as I love people. Jesus, I invite you into my life. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, thanks for tuning in. I pray that you have a blessed day. Hey, we are so honored that you are with us today. Remember, subscribe to the show and check out our website at cornerstonechurchco.com for more resources.